Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? Going well. Back in the saddle this week at Lifeway. And, uh, you know, back from yeah. Disney. Had a great time at Disney. We talked about that a little bit last week on the, the podcast. So really enjoyed our time there. And uh, back at it once again in Nashville. Yeah, so uh, welcome back to Nashville and to work. You came back. Um, did you guys have any snow this week? Uh, it intermittent off and on uh, one of the nights this week, but uh, it didn't stick or anything. But I, I saw some great pictures yeah. of uh, of Southern blanketed with snow. Uh, and then uh, you guys also getting some? Uh, what we had was a basically a day of just nonstop flurries but more than just flurries i mean it 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 snowed kind of like rain like it rains yeah and so it was very pretty and then you'd look down at the ground and there's nothing it just was not gonna stick yeah. and so we it, it just looked pretty out the yeah. window but welcome we didn't to spring here's some snow i know i know right yeah all right well speaking of southern we mentioned them i i still contend that it's the most photogenic when it's in snow um yeah. It is is a beautiful campus it's when it snows. Beautiful campus when it snows. It's beautiful when it doesn't snow, but whenever it snows, that that place, wow, it looks good. Um, yes. All right. They are located in Louisville, Kentucky. The Southern Baptist Theological Seminary is committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral degree programs by visiting sbts.edu. Follow them on Twitter for all the snow pics too. All right. So let's jump into this. Um, so we recorded last week a little bit early in the earlier in the week, not early in the week, but earlier than we normally record, and, and things kind of uh, took off after we recorded the next day or so. Uh, Louisiana right. Baptist Convention had uh, helped Dr. Ken Hemphill put up a website, and there was a story in the Biblical Recorder, uh, brnow.org, over in North Carolina about the site. Then there was another story that was in Baptist Press. Uh, about it as well. Amy, kind of walk us through all that went on last week with this site and uh, kind of the, the Louisiana Baptist Convention's involvement. Essentially, this website was developed and put publicized that shared information about Ken Hemphill, introduced him, has some videos, just some, you know, different things, uh, a way to sort of make a present. And this kind of surprised a lot of people because it was a very clear, you know, campaign. It spoke very specifically about Ken Hemphill 2018. Well, that's the name um, of the website. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's the name of the website. So it, it sparked a lot of discussion, first of all, just about campaigning. Now, one thing I thought about in all of it is that we do have uh, regularly, we have messengers that will, will step up to the microphone uh, during motions and will talk about the fact they will, they will, will be trying to figure out a way to know more about the candidate. Before they'll say we we want to hear from the candidates or we want you know the, the people who are being nominated, and because a person can actually nominate themselves, there's nothing that prevents uh, nominees to from from being in front of uh, in front of the messengers. But one thing that has always happened uh, or has often happened is a lot of candidates have been announced in Baptist press, and then people would do interviews. But there are a number of ways that you can get to know the positions of people. So this was just uh, something from Dr. Hemphill, but it became it. But it began to surface, and the Biblical Recorder covered the story, Baptist Press covered the story that 
it was also connected with the Louisiana Baptist Convention. It was hosted on the convention's servers that, uh, that there had been staff that had helped prepare it, things like that. There's been open discussion about the role of state conventions, the role of entities, the role of leaders at different levels in uh, this whole process. And uh, so it's popped up in a number of places, been on social media. We're going to share the uh, Baptist Press article and the Biblical Recorder article just to kind of give an overview of what happened. Um, but it is sparking some interesting discussion. And this is not the first time Southern Baptists have had these discussions for years about exactly how these uh elections of of officers presidents in particular should play out yes and and it's like you said not the first time this has happened luke holmes our friend at sbc history on twitter uh shared some information about some of the the campaigning similar to this that had gone on back during the conservative resurgence it's not the first time we've seen this yeah and uh and and you know you and i were were talking today because if you really start digging into the history if you start going each year i mean you, I can actually remember some from the times that I've been attending uh, some, a few different things, nothing huge, but a few different things. And then just studying Baptist history, particularly recent Baptist history, there are tons of things. We were talking about the one in, um, I can't remember what year it was. It was the year that I believe it was Jerry Vines uh, was elected SBC president. And he was, I believe, going to be preaching at the pastor's conference. And the the other nominee, Daniel Vestal, um, who this is before things kind of ended uh, with uh, ended in the conservative resurgence uh, movement. So Daniel Vestal went on to be a leader in the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, but he rented television time. Yeah, they were also passing out handbills in the in the hall. I read as well. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of yeah. them. Now, uh, right. to be clear, we are not against an informed electorate. Correct. Because Absolutely that's not. kind of what as, we're here uh, for. Right. As a matter of fact, that's that's what I what I'm always concerned about is when messengers, they want to know. Now, one of the challenges in this is that a part of being a convention, the, the body that we uh, are and come together is that people can come forward and nominate someone all the way up to the last, you know, minute, like 10 minutes before. We saw that last announcements, year. Yeah. Announcements are made. So, for example, last year for first vice president, um, it had been announced that someone was going to nominate Walter Strickland. But when it came time and it, and it was uh, nomination speeches were called for, someone else came onto the platform to nominate um, another individual. Yeah, the, uh, the Chaya Rizabon guy from California. Yeah. Then when, uh, when it, it came time for registration secretary, we had five or six. Dozen people. Yeah. I mean, we had a number of people and they had not been announced. And so there is part of our process allows for that. Um, it allows for a decision. And we go back in the part of the huge you know, story of the conservative resurgence is that in the beginning, they didn't know who was going to be nominated. And Adrian Rogers was, you know, the conversations were happening up until the days before. So we cannot make it mandatory. For, for this information to go out uh, because that interrupts sort of the flow of that process. We don't have rules that say nominees have to be announced so many days before, things like that. But when information is out there, that certainly can be a help to people who want to be informed. 
Um, so one thing that we've talked about, you know, doing here is just in giving people information about how to go to the SBC, how to, um, how to be a part and participate in different ways. We also, as things go along, as interviews happen, you know, anything that seems to show some of that, uh, that, that seems to give some of those details that people might be interested in knowing, we want to put those up in a, in a post, just a long list of links so that people can go and have a resource to inform themselves. Yes, and, and you mentioned the, the information about traveling to Dallas for the convention. We've got that up at sbcadvance.com. You can go there and uh, find all the information, and we'll get that other information coming up for all the information for SBC yeah. 2018, uh, SBC 18. It'll be yeah, coming soon so too. what we'll do is we'll put these links in a, in a post, and we'll just add to it as, as there are other interviews or things like that that might be of interest. But... You know, these are these are discussions that we're going to have where we're all going to think through what are the parameters? What are people uh, comfortable with? And I think it's good. I, I do like the fact that we are uh, that that people are speaking about it and are really thinking about this kind of wrestling with it um, out loud. One thing I want to be clear about is it, it it has been reported that since this uh, over the last week, that website has been moved to a, another server. So it is on just to, you know, kind of deal with any questions about that at this stage that Dr. Hemphill made the decision. So it is on a different server now. Yes, it is. It is. So yeah, we did want to clear that up. So you're correct about that. And finally, Amy, I think a lot of the discussion is, is not really about the information that's being put out. It's about the enroll, the involvement of entities and state conventions and that kind of thing. So there's a lot of discussion going on about that. So Kind of keep an eye on that, see how that develops, and uh, you know, be an informed voter. If you're a messenger, be informed. Uh, know who you're voting for, what you're voting for, if you can, as best you can. Uh, so uh, you know, check out the candidates and make your own decision, and uh, make an informed decision. That's a uh, that's what we're here for. We try to inform you about what's going on in the SPC every week. So uh, we want you to be informed, and we want you to be an informed participant, and we want to see you in Dallas. All right. Amy, speaking of Texas, uh, we have uh, an update to a story we've covered on here. The, uh, the lawsuit against Judge Pressler has been moved to a federal court out of the district court of Harris County. Yeah, so I actually I heard about this a couple of days ago, but I'm not really up on the details of this. What can you share? Uh, that it has been moved to a federal court. <laughs> okay, that's it. We'll put the link to that in the show notes. It just shares kind of the details. It does say that this was filed by Second Baptist Church in Houston and that they they did this uh, because it involves a matter of federal law. Yeah. And, and the uh, attorney for Gerald Dwayne Rollins, the, the plaintiff in this case, is, says uh, that they will file a motion in the federal court to have it remanded back to the state court. So. Who knows what's going to happen with this one? So uh, the state court trial yeah. is tentatively set for December the 2nd, 2018, so just about eight months away. And uh, we'll, we'll just kind of follow this and see what happens here. Sure. Who knows Who knows where this is going to end up or, and you know what's going to happen with it. So we'll just kind of keep an eye on it as we have been uh, for the past few months since this broke in December. Amy, there's another update to a uh, story this week. We, we've talked about Rachel Denhollander, her calls for an investigation into uh, Sovereign Grace churches and the Sovereign Grace Ministries up in Louisville, Kentucky. 
And uh, Christianity Today came out with a pretty bold statement this past week calling for an independent investigation into sovereign grace. Yeah, this was pretty, uh, pretty stunning. And this is the long, it's the longest editorial I've ever read. <laughs> really? I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, when you think of, and I'm speaking editorial, okay. like an editorial from a magazine, newspaper, most of them are a very particular link. And this was essentially, I mean, almost like you would think long form. Yes. This Mark Galley is editor in chief of Christianity Today. So this wasn't just an editorial by, you know, a member of the, the staff, but it was the editor in chief speaking and um, really making a case calling for an independent investigation. So it will be very interesting uh, to see. It, it was it was so detailed that there will have to be some kind of response, whether it's uh, we're, we're going to, to do this or we're going to not do this. I, I guess if they don't respond, that will be the answer. Um, but it was a pretty strong, uh, very public statement. It was. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of keep an eye on that, see what happens and uh, report back here. Uh, to you if uh, Sovereign Grace does respond to uh, the call from Christianity Today for an independent investigation. One final update this week before we get to the other news, uh, something we talked about in the uh, the show just a few weeks back. It doesn't really involve a Southern Baptist church, but it had Southern Baptist ties, and that was Andy Savage, the pastor over at High Point Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, they announced this week uh, that they are parting ways with Savage. He has resigned uh, in the fallout of a uh, sexual assault uh, about 20 years ago. Uh, so we'll link to that. You can find out all the information. They put out uh, two or three statements about that, including the resignation statement from Savage. Uh, but we've got that in the show notes, uh, just kind of putting a bow on that story. All right, down in Alabama, the, the longtime editor, Bob Terry, announced officially his retirement effective at the end of the year. He's been a Baptist journalist for a very, very long time. Became editor of the Alabama Baptist in... 1995, um, but has been uh, has been in journalism uh, for 50 years, 43 in lead editor role. So uh, this is pretty amazing. Yeah, he was the word in the way editor uh, for 20 mm-hmm. years before getting the Alabama Baptist position, which he's held for 23 years, uh, plus another seven years as the associate editor of the Western Recorder up in Kentucky for a total of 50 years. In Baptist journalism, so Amy, Amy yeah, we only have pretty, we only have forty seven more years of this podcast, and we'll catch Bob. Wow, that's pretty incredible. Um, I don't I can't know if even either one of us will be that. here in forty seven years. I mean, you especially seems like a long time. I, I think you just called me old. You just did that thing where you point out to everyone that I'm older. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, uh, anyway, Bob Terry, I've been around him some uh, at the SBC annual meeting when the Baptist Communicators Association comes together. Uh, and, uh, you know, some fellowship and connections. I've met him a couple of times, but certainly uh, is uh, well known in those circles. And um, I know that uh, Alabama Baptists are grateful for his service. Yes. And uh, I'm good friends with his daughter. She worked with me at uh, WMU. Jean uh, used to oh, be Terry. Very cool. Now I think Roberson. Um, and uh, she's at Samford now, uh, works there. And uh, along with Bob's wife as well, her mother, um, Patricia very Terry. Cool. Uh, so she's she's a employee at Sanford as well. So uh, some ties down there in Alabama. So congratulations to Bob. And also, I guess we should mention, congratulations to Jennifer Rash, who will take over as yes. the editor. Editor-elect. The yep. Alabama Baptist. All right, moving over to Arkansas. Amy, some big news in the uh, higher education world. Stan Norman, 
named Williams College president. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Um, Stan Norman has been a provost and executive vice president at Oklahoma Baptist University for nine years, very respected in the world of uh, Baptist universities. I've known of him for a long time. I've heard just incredible things about him. So great reputation. And now he's going to be uh, the president of Williams Baptist College. Now, here's something interesting. I have been to the campus of Williams Baptist College. Congratulations. I I don't know what to say. I mean, okay. Uh, It's not a place that you would just necessarily go through you, know, you like got to try to get there. Like that. Is, it, is that what you're you saying? Do. You yeah. do. So when I was a junior in college, home for spring break, and my brother uh, was playing baseball at a um, Freed Hardeman University, which is a college in West Tennessee. Your brother who just picked up his 500th win as a coach here in Tennessee. He did. Thanks for noticing that. Right. 500th career win. Anyway. Yes. Um, I, I, anyway, let me guess. He, he played at Williams College and you went and watched him play. Yeah. So Freed Hardeman went and played at Williams Baptist College. So I went with my parents and watched. And uh, we sat there and it was a very beautiful uh, town. But I do remember that that spring break, kind of like this year, was absolutely freezing. So my memory of Williams Baptist College is I remember being just freezing the entire time I was there. Spring break for me this year was fantastic. It was like 75 every day and sunny. It was gorgeous. Well, February was nice for me in that way because when I was there, it was like that too. Of course, I was was in Orlando for spring break. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway... Uh, Dr. Norman, yeah, congratulations, incredible reputation. Yeah, incredible reputations, incredible reputation. Congratulations to him. That will be a big uh, loss, I know, for Oklahoma Baptist because he's made such an impact there. Uh, but this is this is very good news. All right, some other higher education news. The East Asia Leadership Initiative launched at Southeastern this week. Yeah, that's been uh, been really exciting. So part of the Global Theological Initiatives Office, we have. Uh, the Hispanic leadership development, Persian leadership development. These are are things that we've had for a a while. And now East Asian Leadership Initiative Coordinator uh, has begun serving Minwoo Jang. um, And he is a a student. He'll be graduating with his THM. He's hoping to go into the PhD program. And just really great. I just met him the other day. Um, he came by our office and I think he's going to do an incredible job. So we've got the story there, uh, that will just tells a little bit about, about that program. All right. Well, that, that's very cool, Amy. And, uh, be exciting to see, uh, the, this, the launch of that new program over there at Southeastern. All right. Uh, this past weekend, some big news, the Christian movie world, the, the mercy me, uh, film uh, about, I can only imagine opened with $17.2 million in box office sales this past weekend, coming in third and beating out Wrinkle in Time. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, huge, huge weekend. And they were expecting like $6.2, $6.5 million. That joker rolled in there with over $17 million in just over 1,600 locations. A huge, huge box office weekend for the Irwin Brothers. And uh, that that comes out, you know, we've got a couple of more films coming out this weekend. The Paul, Apostle of Christ, opens this weekend. And then God's Still Not Dead, Part 14, opens next week. Okay, I'm joking about that. It's God's Not Dead, <laughs> A Light in the Darkness. I, I'm, I've lost. I think it was the third installment. Okay. I thought I it was the third one. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I was just making sure. So, yeah. Yeah. The, um, um, yeah. Ooh. yeah and, I, and I know, as you said, they weren't expecting that. But I'm I'm not completely surprised because... I mean, everyone loves that song. Oh, it was the K-Love effect, in my opinion. 
Yeah. Everybody knows the song. song. Everybody loves the thing. And it's got some big name stars in it. It's put out by the Irwin brothers who do great work. So right. uh, it, it had all the makings of, of a, a good box office and it, and it did. So congratulations to those guys. Yeah. Well, I'm behind on my movies. I'm about, so we're, we're recording this on Thursday night. Um, tomorrow I am a, a chaperone for a bunch of seventh graders from the middle school here uh, to go see Wrinkle in Time. So I'm going to see it at like 9.15 in the morning. So you're going to see Hopefully, the movie that got whooped last week by, I can only I, imagine. I am. I am. Go. I'm hoping, I'm looking forward to seeing the movie, I, but we are also supposed to then go to Golden Corral for lunch. I know you love a Golden Corral. Yes. And and at that point, then I think the chaperone you know, job will really have to kick in because... No chocolate fountain unless you eat a good dinner. Exactly. Yes. I mean, I'm going to I'm a parent to be, of the rule. Yeah, I'm going to have to be helping in a place with a chocolate fountain. So that could be very interesting. But uh, I'm going to ha- be able to check out A Wrinkle in Time. So at some point, I can only imagine I'll have to come on the, the radar screen. Um, what My kids, Mary, is very interested in seeing that one. So All right. we'll have to check it out. Well, for those of you who know Amy, you will you will scratch your head at her affinity for Golden Corral. Because um, it's not just a joke. Amy's a big fan of Golden Corral, like what, twice a year or something I'm like that? I'm not sure. Well, I think we're now down to once a year. Okay, once a year. Yes. But it's still um, really do, strange. I mean, when, Knowing your foodie tastes. Go, yeah. When I go, I find things because there's all sorts of stuff. But they have, I have all one, sorts of stuff. That, uh, is, that is a great statement. All sorts of stuff. Right. At Golden right. Corral. I have, I have one family member in particular um, who loves it. And so uh, that's... You know, we will go every now and then, and he will get to go as well tomorrow since he is the seventh grader. Yeah. So that will be a good a good treat. But we don't get there very often. I so think Golden Corral we'll... is made for seventh graders, seventh grade boys and Golden Corral. Right. Yes, yes. I've got an eighth grade boy, and he loves some old Golden Corral. Yeah, yeah. Because so, yeah. you just keep going back. Yes. All right. Uh, finally, Amy made the news this week. So I was I was so excited, a, so excited to yeah. see Amy featured prominently in this story on women and the SBC and the 100 years of extraordinary input they have given Amy Woodfield mentioned quite prominently in this, in this story. It's pretty awesome. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say prominently. I wasn't mentioned. Um, So, but of course I'm not a Southern Baptist woman either. It was certainly, it was certainly exciting, you know, to, to read it and then to just see sort of the long line of, of women serving in the Southern Baptist Convention. But this is an excellent story. Um, David Roach wrote this for Baptist Press. It's um, Women and the SBC, 100 Years of Extraordinary Input Noted. And it is uh, basically it's the 100th anniversary of the action uh, where the SBC adopted that women uh, could be allowed to serve as SBC messengers. We gave them the vote. And here's the, the that, cool This is thing. the crazy thing. We beat the United States. Yeah, that's the crazy part that I had no idea. And so this, the research is so good on it. So many things that I did not know. I, I just really enjoyed reading it. So, yeah, and it was cool at the end um, to, to throw in the, the part about um, – serving as a parliamentarian because it's just seeing all of these other people who have served in these ways. And you get to see that uh, they're just, people have a number of different gifts and interests and there are so many opportunities to serve. 
um, he pointed out that in um, a chapter for a book, The Many Faces of the Southern Baptist Convention that the executive committee put out, that Rhonda Kelly uh, from New Orleans Seminary and Candy Finch uh, from Southwestern Seminary, they highlighted a lot of things that women do in the convention, but they also noted that survey, uh, the, the survey in 2016 of Southern Baptist women, nine, more than 90% said they felt that women could be more involved in SBC life. So this, um, this article really shows a history of that, but it also kind of just shows the opportunity uh, for people, uh, for women to, to step up and, and be included. So I love I loved it. I think it's great. Yeah, and our, our good friend Nathan Finn was also quoted in in the article, and um, it, it was really really neat. It's a, it's a really good article, and it talks about the the gains that women are making today, and uh, the fact that we've got four women serving on the IMB presidential search team right now. So yeah, you know, a hundred years ago, women couldn't even vote on the SBC president. Now they're on the board selecting the IMB president. Now, I do want to point out, and this was the most interesting thing about this article. The, the paragraph about you? I'm going to move on from that. Okay. In, um, in 1877, Myra Graves of Texas, she was the widow of uh, the president of Baylor University, Henry Graves, that she registered as M.E. Graves in 1877, and then she did it again in 1882. Scandalous. So she registers it. Yeah. Then she in 1885... Two women, Mrs. J.P. Eagle and Mrs. M.D. Early, were announced to the convention as delegates from Arkansas. Um, then it starts going through um, a pastor from Virginia claimed they were not eligible to serve. They refer it to a committee. The committee's report says ladies cannot be members. Um, and so it, it's interesting, did not deem it expedient and for the best interests of the convention to allow ladies to come as members, but nothing in the constitution to prevent their membership. And so then you kind of go, go through this, um, this piece where later um, they voted to strike from the SBC constitution, the statement that the convention shall consist of members and replace it with the convention shall consist of brethren, not sister and so, brethren. So 1885 is when this whole thing kind of kind of becomes a, a thing. So then it's a, after a lot of years, after this one man, Robert Coleman, really just keeps bringing this up, then it gets changed. So 1918 is when it was moved that women could be SBC messengers. But 1877, Myra Graves was the first one. So really interesting story. I love it. Yeah, and they get so upset that they changed the Constitution. So that was not not good. But they changed it back. Yeah, they did. That was good. That was good. Yeah. So and now look at you, Amy. You're in the story. You're on stage. You're on stage. You're a big deal. I'm not. All right. That's gonna move us to our favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. Okay, we're gonna go uh back to nineteen sixty two. There's a story. uh, I put the Baptist Press article. I mean, I put the Baptist Press issue up there. You have to kind of scroll down. And it talks about uh, Thomas Neely, a returned missionary named president of North Greenville Junior College in uh, South Carolina, succeeding Dr. M.C. Donnan, who had been president for the past 33 years. Neely had been an administrative assistant there uh, to Dr. Donnan since 1958. 
and then was going to assume the presidency, uh, would assume it in, in August. Uh, interestingly enough, then the current president, Dr. Donna, will become president emeritus and continue as director of development. It's a very interesting way of kind of transitioning everything. Um, but the trustees elected Neely unanimously. Um, he had he had been a missionary in Colombia. Um, I'm sorry, he had been a missionary to Venezuela um, and uh, had also gone to Colombia uh, as well. But the reason this is interesting is because we're about to just we're just a few weeks away from inauguration, the inauguration uh, ceremony of their new president, uh, Gene Fan, really? who's been he hadn't been inaugurated been, yet. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that usually happens that way. They start on the job. Well, I forgot when he got elected. I, I just know it's been a while. So yeah, I, I thought so it has been done by now. I think started back in the summer. Um, but the inauguration is usually sometime during that first year. So that's in just a few weeks. And actually, Keith and I are, are going to be in attendance at that. So very excited um, so you are to deal. be there. You're in the Baptist press. You're going to inaugurations. <laughs> yes. Is there a ball? Well, you know, every... Well, whenever there's a presidential inauguration of a school, there are usually representatives from other schools that come. Okay. And they process in. So I'm not the representative from the other school, but I'm going to be with the representative. You're married to the representative. Yeah. Yes. So he will process in with all the people in their caps and gowns and and all that. And I will just be hanging out. Is there an inaugural um, ball? Like the presidential no. thing. A parade. No. There's usually some sort of reception. Oh, there'll be but, punch. I mean, cake. I don't know if there will be, but a lot of times there is in these things. So anyway, so it's just kind of cool because that's on our mind, it, planning that trip. And I know it's an exciting time for North Greenville in the days leading up. So that's a great time for the campus to celebrate. And because he's been uh, in his role for a while now, He's already developed, you know, relationships with the students. He's kind of, he's a part of the campus community. And so it will be a very special day for all of them. Um, But he's not the first president of North Greenville. There have been many others. And one of them was Thomas Neely, a former missionary and uh, contributed a lot to North Greenville when it was a junior college and it was announced that he would unanimously, uh, that he was unanimously elected, um, this week in SVC history. All right. Very cool. See, I, I like how you tied that in to, to present day. North Greenville's all in the news these days. They knocked Dr. Finn going over there and, um, Dr. Yeah, Hemphill being from time. there and Dr. Finn yep. being inaugurated and Amy getting to go to the inaugural ball and all that. So, That'll be fun. All right. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. My resource of the week is the new Facts and Trends website. It's not really new, but I've been working with those guys. We've got kind of a new initiative over at Facts and Trends. A lot more newsy, uh, a lot less, uh, you know, Lifeway related stuff, a lot more just general news. So if you're looking for a good follow for uh, news related items that are relevant to you and your church, factsandtrends.net. A great little website over there uh, working with the team. We've been putting out some great content. Had a had a really interesting story this past week, Amy, on ISIS and how their demolition of a city in Iraq uh, actually kind of proved some biblical things. The archaeologists went in there after the fact and uh, and found that a, a lot of biblical things had been like proven by what 
ISIS kind of uncovered whenever they were just kind of rampaging through the city. So uh, kind of a neat story. I saw I saw the headline for that. I had not um, I, I had not had not no uh, I hadn't read it. So I need to go check it out. You need to go check it All out. Right. So, but yeah, check out factsandtrends.net. Amy, your resource of the Excellent. week is. My resource of the week is the uh, the the Christianity Today special issue um, about Billy Graham. Yes, I saw the cover. Love I, that cover. Yeah, it is beautiful. I just got it today. I haven't even opened it yet. It just came in, um, or maybe it was yesterday. I don't know. It was just uh, just right here. And and of course, you you know they they have been planning, you know, preparing this for a long time. Um, because he's a founder of Christianity Today. So what an incredible, you know, a, a lot of people have done commemorative things, but if one, um, if, if, if one magazine or publication is going to do something, uh, you know, Christianity Today is going to make this really special because of his history uh, with them. So I have it as my resource of the week. I can't tell you a ton about it because I haven't even been able to dive into it yet. But if you can get your hands on it, uh, I think it's going to be worthwhile. Yep. Already done. It's at the office. And uh, you, uh, exactly. one thing I noticed about it, Amy, watch the ads in the in the uh, the magazine. Just check out the okay. ads whenever you, you're reading them. Um, don't just read it for the articles. Uh, look at the ads too and uh, see if you notice a theme with the ads. Okay. That's all I'll say. So just check it out. All right. I'll do that. Well, the cover is incredible. Oh, the cover's fantastic. Oh, my word. I'd never seen that picture of him. So that was was kind of cool. They used a picture that I I don't know if anybody else had. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. It's been a busy week this week in the SBC. We expect things uh, as we get closer to Dallas to, you know, get more and more news as it relates to the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting in Dallas this June. Once again, sbcadvance.com. We got all your information over there about getting to uh, the convention, being a part, because, Amy, decisions are made. By those who show up. That's right. Don't forget that. We'll see you next week. See you next week. 